Hello, this is Nilla Varman and you're listening to The Nilla Extract, the official show where I talk about pressing issues such as body acceptance, mental health, climate change, race and so much more, with some pretty cool music and some pretty cool guests too. Hello, my name is Nilla Varman and welcome to The Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. It has been about a month since I've spoken to you last and that is because I genuinely took a long well-deserved break where I didn't really do anything. I recorded some interviews which were really really fun and created some content, you know, took a break from social media and radio and focused on other parts of my life I guess and yeah now I'm back. So hi, happy new year. I was actually talking to my brother the other day and uh, he was like it's too late to wish people happy new year but you know what here I am (laughs) wishing you happy new year I can't believe it's the 7th of January already it is in my opinion the longest month out of the year it seems to go on for ages but now that I'm actually trying to do certain things by a certain time in January things are going really really quickly usually the first two weeks used to go extremely fast for me because I'd have exams and whatnot but this is the first year of my whole life where I have not had exams in January isn't that crazy like maybe okay fine maybe from years 12 till 21 this is the first January where I haven't had exams to study for like I I don't understand I haven't digested this yet. Like I see my brother revising because he's in second year and I feel fine. It feels great. Like I just watch movies all day. Um, (laughs) It feels great. (laughs) I just, I've dreamed of this time where I haven't, you know, that I don't need to study for exams where I can just do the things that I want to do and not do statistics and things like that. Um, And the time is here and, yeah, I haven't really fully digested this thought yet, so this is just occurring to me as as I'm saying this all. But anyway, I hope that your exam prep, if you have an exam prep thing going on, I hope it's going well because January exams are hard, man. Like you have this whole two weeks where you're doing absolutely nothing and you're eating so much food that you like explode and then they're like, well, study this and write an essay. Um, which is really rude of them. So I hope it goes well for you. Now, we have a great New Year's show for you today. I have an incredible guest on later in the show. And honestly, she was so, so incredible. I love talking to her. And honestly, I was lost for words a lot of the time. Like I was just so sucked into what she was saying that I forgot to reply many times. It's embarrassing how much I was also gushing because <laughs> I followed this incredible person's work for a long time. And that person is Esther Young Lim. She is the author of How to Report a Hate Crime. And um, oh my gosh, the booklets are incredible. I, I've forgotten how many languages she told me that they're translated into now. But what I find most exciting is that when we were talking afterwards, she told me that they're translating the booklets into Tamil, which is crazy because I've never even seen booklets about hate crimes in Tamil. And so to the volunteers and the people working with her, like a massive thank you for making sure that this book and well, these sets of booklets are so accessible to people of all ages and different marginalized communities and different languages. Like it's crazy. I love it. Now we also talk about 
hate crime in general and um, hate crimes experienced by the Asian American and Pacific Islander community. So if this is something that you might find upsetting and it might not be the conversation for you today, that's absolutely fine. Um, it's always going to be here for you when you need it. But that is one of the topics we talk about. We also talk about how we both felt when we were in school and you know, bringing packed lunches into school and how that's kind of become a trend now, like to have things like sushi, for example, at, at school or like Thai curry or or chicken korambu. Like people think it's so cool when you bring other cuisines into school nowadays, not just a ham and cheese sandwich. But when we were in school, it was like, eh, she's got grapes and her yogurt rice. Oh my gosh, she's got yogurt on rice. Like it was a lot. Anyway, we talk about that. And I think we also touch up on some representational things. We talk about just how, you know, representation has affected the way we see ourselves um, as we've grown and misconceptions and how you can be a better ally. It's a really, really, really important conversation. So I really, really urge you to stay tuned and listen to this one. Now, it is also a very prevalent conversation because according to a lot of research, anti-Asian hate crimes have increased by 339% last year compared to the year before. And this is just in New York, San Francisco and Los Angeles and some other places in America. And it's just absolutely shocking. Like, the truth is, you know, people of all marginalised ethnic groups and non-POCs can show allyship and solidarity. And they don't have to be acts of, you know, dramatic measures. Allies can begin by addressing microaggressions or even casual forms of racism that occur in our daily lives or educate yourself or like Esther's book, read a book, write a book, you know, research, contribute to people who are putting in that work. And I assure you something good of good will come of it. Now, in other news, I was just watching this really, 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 really good movie and it's called Turning Red. If you haven't seen Turning Red, I really urge you to watch it as soon as you can. It's incredible. I think it came out like two years ago or maybe it was last year, like early last year, but it's so good. This is actually my second time watching it because I just had an urge to watch it, to be honest. And if I'm really honest with you, it's rare to find a depiction of puberty and growing up and you know, forging your own identity and feeling embarrassed and falling in love and feeling all gooey feelings as relatable as the one shown in Pixar's Turning Red, you know. Even if your life doesn't perfectly mirror that of um, the main character who's called Maylin Lee, um, it is difficult to relate to many ups and downs that she experiences throughout the film. I think even though the puberty in this film is quite fantastically depicted, it is really, really, in a way, relatable. And I loved it. Like, I love watching this film. Also, the songs are incredible. I think they were written by um, Billie Eilish and Phineas. Um, but there's some really good songs in there. There's a band called Four Town who are big. And I used to be that fangirl. Like, I was obsessed with One Direction. I still am. So I really related to the fangirl aspect of it all. And they have this song called, 
never met nobody like you, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know what it's called, but I'm going to play it on the show today because it's a banger. Like it, you know, it took me the whole film to realize that it was set in like 2000, early 2000s. I was like, wow, look, all these kids, they don't have iPhones and they still play with Tamagotchis. But no, it's set, it's set really early on. And I also think it's an excellent um, portrayal of Asian American culture. Uh, it was really nice to see that on the big screen. So yeah. I really liked it. I think the movie also touches touches up upon a lot of like generational trauma and the pressure to be perfect and the pressure to seek your parents' approval and you know the pressure that you put on yourself and as a person of color it was really really nice to see that being portrayed on screen in a way that was just quite simple but also really tugged at your what pulled your heartstrings I guess. But anyway as I said, we've got a great show planned for you today. And before I introduce you to the lovely Esther Young Lim, I would like to play the song Nobody Like You. So here I am live at the Nilla Extract where I'll try to challenge many socially pressing and relevant issues that aren't really talked about much. And as I'm broadcasting from home, please do excuse any weird noises and fart noises and crinkle pops and all that in the background. As usual, this episode will contain some good music, uncontainable weirdness that you guys have somehow tolerated for the past two years. And um, as I said, here's a hot track that I've been obsessed with lately. It's Four Town with Nobody Like You from Turning Red. Watch it. I never met nobody like you. Had friends and I've had buddies. It's true, but they don't turn my tummy the way you do. I never met nobody like you. You never know on my mind. Oh my, oh my, I'm never not by your side, your side, your side I'm never gonna let you cry, oh cry, no cry I'm never not be alright, all die, alright Let's call it what it is, it's a masterpiece Got a whole lot of love for them city streets Tonight is the place to be Got a big boombox and a new CD Come on, everybody let's tear it up If you want mad skills you can share with us I want everybody to stop and stare And you know why it's me Let's go You never not on my mind Oh my, oh my I'm never not by your side, your side, your side I'm never gonna let you cry, oh cry, no cry I'll never not be alright, or die, alright
Welcome to the Nilla Extract. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm great. How are you? And thank you for having me. Oh, it's an honor. Like, honestly, it's an honor. Like, my email was so gushy that I'm still really embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really, I'm really honored to receive such a nice email. I was like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) this is really cool. I know I was so nervous I was just like this is someone who I've kind of admired the work of for so long now and I've been following your work for ages and then I saw you oh, on wow. stage when Lizzo was accepting an award and I was like oh my gosh I know her like I follow her on Instagram. oh my god that is so crazy. Was crazy and I was just like I have to get her on my show like she's incredible <laughs> um so yeah congratulations with everything that you're doing like you're doing an incredible you're doing some incredible things and um honestly it's amazing and the way that I came across you for the first time is I think someone uh, at my university sent me a link to your hate crime booklets I think it was an article Mm -hmm. that came about them and I was I was so shocked I'd never seen so many booklets printed in such a diverse range of languages that are accessible to so many communities right and it was it was just incredible so thank you for what you do I think you are you know keeping a conversation going within so many communities so uh, yeah sorry gushing way too much (laughs) (laughs) no worries I'm I'm glad I can help like marginalized communities out but it's sad that it's still needed and the demand is still high so the job yes I acknowledge that I have been credited for this work but um it goes to show that it's needed and sometimes like hearing stories from people of how they feel more comfortable after receiving my booklets that breaks my heart because of the fear they felt you know before then mm-hmm. and so and this whole booklet it's not just me it's like a team of volunteers so all the translators were all volunteers they signed up for this they asked how they could help Mm -hmm. and if they can get translations done in their languages to protect their own parents and grandparents and so this is a community effort I love that I think it's incredible and as I was saying I've never really seen so many translations of a book about something that's so important and heartbreakingly so important um as you were saying like it sucks that we still need to be talking about issues like these right. and it, it's really sad like every time I see some news popping up um, about hate crimes and it's just you know not enough is being done about it but I guess in a way the you know we are having some change in you know social activists like you who are doing an incredible job and your volunteers I mean I think for those who don't know you, Lizzo kind of quoted you as the author of, you know, conversation conversation changing booklet, How to Report Hate Crime. And you also seek to eradicate barriers and empower the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, which I think is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. But where did this journey start for you? It started during the height of COVID um, when I would 
hear stories from my friends or friends of friends of their encounters with racism because of how COVID had spread because of Asians and especially Chinese people and the stigma behind it. It was just repeated rhetoric that, you know, Asians and in particular China is the spreader of diseases. And it seems like a lot of Westerners, a lot of people don't like China in general. And Mm. so I'm like, what is wrong with them? There is nothing wrong. And for people to judge them and say, oh, it started because they, um, they eat bats, like Mm. live bats or bat soup. And it's like, that is completely wrong. That's horrendous. Um, So that type of Stigma leads to a type of um, rhetoric that's, you know, um, that's like used and talked about. And then that leads to a feeling of hate and just disgust of deep-rooted bias. Mm -hmm. And then it converts to bad behavior. Yeah. So like that bad behavior... I didn't want to see and who is anybody to judge someone judge someone based on what they eat. Um, but I, I wanted to, I knew that I couldn't get rid of racism. It's, you know, how people think it's very, very hard to eradicate racism, mm. but for people to feel empowered and to know that there are laws against hate crimes where people are physically assaulted or um, their property vandalized. That is a crime and that is punishable by law. And especially for victims um, who have trauma post, you know, post event, then I want them to know that there are also resources of victim services to help them, especially with mental health, um, getting reimbursed for hospital fees per se, maybe getting reimbursed for property damage, but the law varies state by state, state and compensation varies state by state as well. So Mm -hmm. I wanted people to know their rights so that they can fight for it. People don't know their rights, so they live in fear. And I don't want that for them because it's completely unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, do you think growing up in America um, as an Asian American yourself, would you say that you've kind of experienced discrimination? Um, And do you think that's kind of carried on throughout your growth? Yes, I face discrimination. But um, so I used to live in Oregon and in grade school my dad was a pastor. We were the only Asian family in our neighborhood and in my school. So I faced a lot of discrimination, racism, where kids would be like, mean girls would be like, oh, don't talk to Esther. Um, She's Japanese when I'm Korean, actually. She's Japanese. Um, Her family bombed Pearl Harbor. And I was like, okay, it's, whatever like what can I say to that I was just so shocked that I heard it and at that time I didn't realize that it was racism until later on I just knew that they were me and they just didn't like me because of how I looked um also my sister she's 
two years older than me, but she experienced racism at her school um, in Oregon as well, where um, it was a pinata party. Somebody accidentally let go of the metal rod that they were hitting and it flew and flung um, and cut my sister's um, eye, like right underneath her eye. She still has a scar. She was bleeding, went to the hospital, got stitches. All my mom asked from the parents was an apology, not even the medical bills, which I think she should have pushed for. Um, But my mom just like wanted to like keep the peace, but all she asked for through the principal to the parents, the other parents was an apology. Mm-hmm. They literally had to force the parents to do it because they did not want to apologize. Seriously? Um, they did not. They did not. And later, um, the kid came back to school, apologized, and he's like, he commented to his friends, he was so proud. Yeah, I threw, I hit the Asian and I had her go to the hospital. He was bragging about it. No. So that left a deep scar on my family and especially my sister. Mm -hmm. And then we moved back to LA and obviously we were in a more predominantly Asian community where we felt more comfortable. And that's like why we, our whole family, like my mom and all her siblings, their children all resided in um, the San Gabriel Valley because Uh it was predominantly Asian. And so we've experienced hatred outside of that community. So we stuck in an area where we felt a little sense of belonging. Yeah. I mean, do you think Mm -hmm. that times are changing now? I know things aren't perfect, but do you think it's getting better in schools especially? I don't know about that. I feel mm. like it might have, it may be getting a little worse in school with different types of stigma. And so there's stigma, especially I know there's a lot of bullying in school with um, after kids came back from COVID after mm. um, the shutdowns and there was a lot more bullying and harassment towards Asian kids. Yeah. And um, that for sure is facts. I don't know. That's such a complicated um, question. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a big I think, one. <laughs> I think I don't think bias can ever go away. I don't think racism will ever go away. It mm-hmm. plays on in history, you know, but it can be reduced. And I think prevention is key and um, focusing on the youth and changing their minds, their behavior. Yeah, I mean, I also, uh, firstly, sorry about what your sister experienced. Like, that just sounds Mm -hmm. dreadful. And I know how much things like that can leave such a lasting impact and it carries through uh, your life. And so I completely sympathize. I mean, I I also understand and resonate with what you said about, you know, when people at school used to say racist things, but you just thought they were being mean. Like, when I was in primary school I thought that I had like a very rosy rosy time I was like no one was mean Mm -hmm. it was great and the only discrimination I really thought I felt was with you know within my own um South Asian community Mm -hmm. um but when I kind of evaluated and I think I was just scrolling through some old emails that I used to send with my friends when I was like nine or ten in primary school and some of the stuff in there is kind of mean or I just ignored it and I read it now being like oh my god like (laughs) 
is this the stuff I was just being like okay this is so funny when I was um nine or ten like I was shocked at myself as to how I didn't know that that was racism but at the same time like no one really sat me down um and intensely at school and went this is what racism is or this is what a microaggression right. is I mean I'm still learning what what forms microaggressions can take and so it's so complicated I think especially when you're navigating like a tightrope between two cultures like as a British South Asian person and I'm sure as an Asian American I, I really struggle to connect with my heritage and at the same time blend into British culture growing up I mean would you say that right. you've had a similar experience? I have like so in Oregon like my mom instilled our heritage on us it was so funny like for Halloween I would want to dress up and like you know like jasmine or like mm -hmm. esmeralda yeah <laughs> she would dress me up in my korean hanbok which oh. is our <laughs> traditional dress i'm like oh my god this is so embarrassing <laughs> and i was just like this is not like i want to fit in like the rest but then my mom just put me in our traditional clothes and during like culture week there was barely any culture in my school, but she would bring out like our gold, um, our gold silverware and um, like ducks and different types of decorative items that are found in every Korean household. And mm -hmm. so like she had more fun teaching about my culture when at that time I felt embarrassed. Mm. about my culture because I just wanted to fit in at that time yeah because you know of what I've already heard I first of all look different and then second of all that they didn't want to be friends with me because I was Asian so it just took a blow it's like yes I didn't think about my like my primary sense was just to fit in and to be liked and so I knew what um, probably deterred that was forming into and being proud of my culture mm -hmm. and so uh, I regret feeling that way at the time but that was you know my primary feeling yeah. but now I'm so proud of my heritage of being Korean yeah I can completely relate to that because sometimes we'd, we wouldn't even dress up in uh, Indian clothes that much but I used to be so embarrassed like um you know, I loved it inside the house, but mm -hmm. when I, we, we have certain traditions where sometimes my brother and I would have to stand outside the house and like step in and do whatever. And I yeah. feel really embarrassed. Like what if the neighbors see us? And I, I think about it now. And again, like I was really, I, I was really disappointed that I was so intent on kind of covering up my culture. I think at one point in time, I tried to even like use a a, a rubber and just mm -hmm. rub my skin because I was just so <gasps> oh, intent no. on I, I didn't I was like oh this will make me look like my friends um mm -hmm. and I was just convinced but it, it left me with a lot of razor rush <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was not very pretty I think like halfway through I was just like yeah <laughs> this isn't this isn't feeling yeah good. um I, I totally used to be get so it. embarrassed like we had um 
cultural days but not proper cultural days like we have a celebration in um south asian culture called deepavali which is like the festival of lights and mm -hmm. every time we studied about india in my school they'd invite my mum in because my brother and i were the only two south asians in my whole school and so my mum would come in and talk to my class and that day i'd feel like really cool because i was like that's my mum. like those are my clothes that you're wearing but at the same time we'd go to temple or we'd go to a function wearing uh traditional clothes and we might go to the supermarket afterwards and I'd feel so shy I'd like wrap my coat <laughs> around I'd be like no one can see me like this what would they say um which is crazy because I think I'm at a point now where I'm learning so much about my South Asian heritage and I'm so proud of it and I'm so honored to you know have the family history that I have totally. and the language that I speak and it's crazy isn't it how like you had to unlearn that it, it, yeah <laughs> like to be proud of it at home but embarrassed of it outside like yeah food for example how did your mom pack your food like my mom would pack me like kimchi fried rice with oh, anchovies and I was like mom like it fucking stinks <laughs> <laughs> it stinks my backpack stinks <laughs> oh no you know I'd like I'd kill for home food right now it's crazy yeah because I, I mean I take like sandwiches and whatever and then the odd day my mom would make me like lemon rice and potato fry yeah. or whatever and I'd be like eating it so yeah <laughs> and my friends would be like oh what is that and I'm just like yeah it's pickle <laughs> and, and they're just like oh I hate pickle and I'm like yeah me me too I, I I've never yeah that's crazy like I don't know why I mean I used to get and like I want yeah and I wanted my mom to start making me just ham and cheese sandwiches yes. and like white wonder bread me too and then she wouldn't do that and she's like if you want sandwiches I'm gonna put like a shit ton of sprouts <laughs> avocado on whole wheat bread and it was humongous because oh my, my mom is so like nutritious yeah and um, she's like, I'm going to pack whatever like nutrients <laughs> I can pack in in that meal for her. If she can't have <laughs> Korean food, then I'm going to pack her my style of American I mean, dolly. To be fair, like my mom did used to pack us like mostly Western food, I think because of convenience, but I appreciated it nonetheless because mm. it tasted good. But there's yeah. this thing that my brother and I like to write and like, and it's called Tair Sadam in, in Tamil, which is the language I speak, which is basically like yogurt and rice. <laughs> it's so yeah good. and my mum sometimes would cut little grapes and put them in there and one day she sent it to school and I just thought she was sending a sandwich so here I am opening my box eating like rice with grapes in it and people are just like <laughs> people are just like she's so gross she eats fruit with oh her my mind. goodness yeah stop. this is my favorite thing to eat so. I know oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so like also refreshing to speak to someone who's experienced this before exactly it, you think that you're the only one in the world who kind of I mean I did anyway I was just like I'm the only one who feels this way everyone else is yeah exactly and when I went when I came back to LA and and in the high school that was predominantly Asian my mom would still pack me like kimchi fried rice and all that stuff mm -hmm. and like sushi rolls and my friends would love it and then that's when I realized I was like oh I shouldn't be too embarrassed about bringing this food you know yeah. so that's when I felt like once I felt accepted and <laughs> people didn't like stare at me weird because of my food they actually like loved it and wanted to trade yeah and so yeah. I was like I okay like I should like my food
the branch of a tree We'll all dance in own air before covering me Under cotton and calicoes Over canopied apple long ago True that love in my drawer was the weeping of me That the sound of the soul must be known by the tree Must be felt for the fight the cold Fretted fire, but that was long ago. It's not tonight. I said a lie. Now blinking so Your blinding light. Oh, it's not tonight. You.
outside of your culture now, like when I talk to my cousins and my friends' siblings, it's like a trend to bring kimchi fried rice and sushi rolls. Exactly. People think it's sick to do that now. Like I, I can't even. I don't even know. Like, would we have been cool? <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would have been cool, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the age has passed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, speaking of kind of uh, representation and, you know, seeing, I guess, influential figures and whatnot, do, do you have any favorite Asian American actors that you think are kind of changing? Yeah, changing things in the media right now. Mm, I would not, I don't know about Asian American actors, maybe Daniel Day Kim. Mm hmm um he's been very prominent in western media and also he invests back in asian communities yeah so i really respect that um all i can say is um korean idols like have now created a more positive stigma around Asians where mm. it's now like they're cool and so everyone tries to exude their vibes and dress like them have their style and I think that's really great because it's coming from like Korean nationals and you know they're promoting like our Asian culture and you know heritage in you know the western world and mm -hmm. I really like that people yeah. dig it and so um it makes me prouder yeah I mean we were just talking um before our call and you said you like BTS as well um yeah yeah and BTS is like a worldwide phenomenon like they're incredible and uh I mean how did it's you feel our about soft that? power yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um at first um when they started I wasn't like I was like oh their music's good but I knew like I thought you know like Monster X was you know, really good singers <laughs> too. So I was like, I was like, oh, they're good, but I didn't pay too much attention. But I understood later on that their message to the people was more about positivity and um, just being true to who you are mm -hmm. and having that confidence. And I think that's like what built on their fame was that they were they weren't making music just about making beats it was about sending a message of positivity inclusivity and um empowerment in yourself within yourself so I love that and so I'm a fan <laughs> yeah I love that I mean I love the way that you put that like I don't think I could have said it better myself now um speaking of BTS you have a song that you'd like to play for us and I've actually forgotten the name of it <laughs> so dreamers, by dreamers. amazing <laughs> so here is dreamers um and we will see you after the break <laughs> <laughs> We believe 
make it happen Guess we believe it Look who we are We are the dreamers We make it happen lovely Esther and we were talking about many things so you should rewind and listen to it again because I can't recap everything right now <laughs> there's too much to cover um but something we did talk about early on in our conversation was the amount of hate crime faced by the Asian American population and the Pacific Islander communities in um the U.S. I mean what would your advice be to I guess young people who want to improve their allyship and keep important conversations like the one that we're having right now going? I would say for ones who want to be allies, I would just say just invest in your community. And by community, it means the people around you, either your um, um, other students in your class, your professors, um, people in your dormitory, um, people at church, or just your neighbors, get to know them first and see, like, hear them, hear their stories. And in their stories, there will always be struggles. And it doesn't have to, you don't have to like target like Asians to be allies with. It's just people in your community. And once you learn their stories, um, you'll learn how to take care of each other. And so I think that is so integral. And that starts from you and that's the most simplest place to start is um focus on the people around you um see what their needs are and then see how you can help and how they'll receive it as well Mm -hmm. um and for people that have been like targeted um in with racist rhetoric or even physical attacks um i want to tell you that you're not alone um, that if you open up, people will want to help you and to not be so isolated within yourself because this is this is an issue. This is a public health issue. Racism is a public health issue. And if you seek help, you will 100% find it. Just, just ask for it. Mm-hmm. And so there are people willing to listen to you. So don't feel isolated and alone in this I love that I think that was so eloquently put and I think a lot of people also you know believe that you have to do something monumental for it to create a monumental change but as you're saying Mm -hmm. just talking to people locally and getting to know people around you and listening to stories and also I think stepping back and giving people space to amplify their stories you know, and giving them that platform is just as impactful than, for example, creating a whole movement. Um, Exactly. I I love what you said. Yeah. The whole movement will come, like, eventually if it's meant to be. But 
for you to start within your vicinity and what is tangible, like work to that effect first. And then later on, if it needs to build fire, it will build fire naturally. Mm-hmm. So um, like, for example, in, I live in LA and everyone in LA has a car, they drive. So it's hard to find communities. So what I started doing is volunteering at community recreation centers nice. or at my friend's nonprofits like my old directors, um, like work events, like for American Heart Association, I invest back into the community there. And that's where you meet more people and you hear their stories and you first just listen, just listen. (laughs) Um, But, you know, in other areas such as San Francisco, um, a lot of people take more public transportation. So there's a lot of foot traffic and people going around. And I feel like that's where more communities are formed, like stronger relations. Mm-hmm. So you can always find a way through it. If, you know, whether, you know, include yourself in a group and you also will receive, receive support, you know, so it goes both ways. It's a two way street. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I think what you said was so pivotal. And I think a lot of young people and even me, like I'm just I'm continuously learning how to improve ways that I give space and listen, excuse me, listen and (laughs) kind of, I don't know, share and help share lived experiences because it is so important. And like how I'm listening to yours, like that's the best way to learn, in my opinion, is just Mm -hmm. to keep listening to people and um before you go by the way I wanted yeah. to ask you like mm-hmm. oh my god Lizzo like Lizzo I know Lizzo on stage I was so emotional when I watched it like there were so many activists of color and there were people who looked like me on a massive stage and exactly how did that feel how tell me about it before you go because well first of all when (laughs) I heard from the producer like a month ago I was like is this scam like (laughs) am I being punked and then I was like is is this for real and then she's like no it's for real like Eliza is going to introduce you she's the one who thought of this and she wants to include activists and I was like that is amazing Mm -hmm. of Lizzo but I was like up until the day of rehearsal which was the day before the actual event I was like, I don't know if I should buy my shoes yet. I don't know if I should buy my clutch yet. I bought my dress, but I was like, I can always wear that next time if, you know, this doesn't work out. And then when I went to the rehearsal and I was like, okay, this is for real. Mm-hmm. And we saw Lizzo and Lizzo during the rehearsal. Like she was like, hi, everyone. Like she like shook all our hands, like gave gave us a hug. But then she was like um going through our names and like you know going through her speech basically and um sometimes she would mispronounce a name but then she would try to correct it like she tried so hard and then later and she was so apologetic she's like oh my god I'm so sorry if I pronounced it wrong I'm gonna get it right I'm gonna get it right that night um we had to send back a video for um how to pronounce our names correctly 
So she practiced that on her own wow. the day before. I and so at that. the event, like, mm. she tried so hard. And yeah, yeah. Um, she put so much effort into it. Gosh, and the I was that so amazed. Through her was incredible. It, and she was talking about each and every one of you. And, like, it was beautiful. Like, she honored you guys and talked about your work. And I was just, yeah. what a way to use a platform. You know, that's how you use a platform. And she, it was incredible. Yeah, she, she's, I don't know how to say it, but she's just so real, Mm -hmm. so human, like, she has so much kindness, and I love that, like, she is amazing, and I cannot, I cannot be, like, more grateful, but, like, on stage, I was so nervous, I was (laughs) like, okay, just follow the girl in front of me I just need to stay behind (laughs) her go on my mark and I like kind of spaced out I was like where am I supposed to look and then when she came to my name I was like oh my god breathe Esther I realized I wasn't breathing I was like oh (laughs) deep breath and I was like and then it ended so quickly but I didn't realize the impact of it until after I saw the video and I was I was so so shook I was like it took me a week to absorb everything. <laughs> I, I can understand. Like, I mean, it was incredible. And also to be uh, alongside such incredible change makers, um, it, like, that must have felt amazing. These, it was so amazing. Um, I didn't get a chance to talk with all of them, like, because we were so busy, like, rehearsals. But the woman I did talk to, I mean, so passionate. And all of us, we've had our struggles, which is why we were there. Like mm-hmm. why we became activists because of our struggles, of our yeah. community struggles. And so like, that's the importance of it all. Like community, it starts there in a small community, start there and then it'll expand out because there are people in need in different ways. And so it will come <laughs> like community engagement is so important and like honestly the work isn't very fun (laughs) (laughs) it's depressing a lot Mm -hmm. of the time Mm -hmm. and so like remembering that and it's like how you just ask yourself like how do you make the situation better yeah I love that and honestly you were part of like the most iconic moment in award history by my standard anyway like that's the most iconic thing I've ever seen so honestly I love your work and thank you so much for coming oh, on my thank show. You. Like, it was an honor thank to have you. you. Yeah. <laughs> please come back. <laughs> <laughs> also, um I got um my booklet translated in Tamil. So what? that's gonna get going next year. Stop yeah. It. A trans Stop. a translator reached it. out to me and she's like, Can I love your work? She's like, I want this for my own community can I translate for you I was like oh my god yes you don't see many social activist books or just even books talking about hate crime about in Tamil so whoa (laughs) yeah the the Tamil translator she was so adamant um she got it back to me within like a few weeks and I was like so amazed but now it's like now my graphic designer needs to be free <laughs> to help put it together in a booklet. So 
um that's coming for next year incredible i look forward to it i can't wait to get my hands on it i mean i can't even read them all properly but i can speak <laughs> it so i can get someone to read it to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then like in every booklet um and every other page is the English translation. So this is also supposed to help bring um, bridge the generational gap as well. So you can like go through this with your parents too. Absolutely. I think the conversations that we have now are so pivotal to have with parents and grandparents and aunts exactly. and uncles. People think, mm -hmm. oh, they're just old. Like their minds can never be changed. Yes, of course, some people unfortunately can't change everyone's minds just like how we can't press a button and eradicate racism and homophobia exactly. and like everything overnight but it's worth trying and at least getting people half of the way there makes so much of an impact than just not doing anything exactly yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean Esther thank you so much for coming and I'm thank really excited so to see what you do next. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Vanilla Extract. You can find this episode anytime you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and all your major podcast streaming websites. You can find these in the link in my Instagram bio at Vanilla Extract and you can just google them too if you wanted to a massive thank you to our wonderful guest who came onto the show today i hope you learned something because i certainly did and thank you to robert nettleton who thought of the name of the show today <laughs>